today we begin this triodion. It is this beginning of our entry into the season of repentance, the season of great Lent. And the church gives us these hallmarks, these milestones along the way, the first of which is the publican and the Pharisee. O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This was the simple prayer of the tax collector. And through offering these words, he offered his repentance and his confession. What is repentance and confession? There are many very worthwhile, profitable books about them. There's a little one like this one called Repentance and Confession. And in books like this, we begin to understand what these two things are, but I would like to talk just briefly today about this. Our commander at Zacharias said that according to the testimony of the saints, no prayer is more pleasing to God than the pitiable prayer of the publican. These are his words. No prayer is more acceptable to God. Why? Because it gets at the very heart of our existence. The very heart of our existence. God loves us. He loves us and he desires our love. And so he gives us freedom so that we can have the free and true choice to love him, to pursue him, or to turn away from him. And we have this before us always each and every moment of our life, to pursue God, to love God, or to not love God. But we don't give God access. Like Adam and Eve, they did, instead of following God's will, they turned away from God. And in their shame, they hid themselves, they clothed themselves, all of this to hide, to be away from God out of their shame. But the one thing that they didn't do that they needed was what? Repentance. And the church is very sympathetic towards Adam and Eve that, yes, they did this sin, but if only they had repented. If only they had stood before God and said, God, we did this. Instead, Adam says, the woman you gave me, she made me eat of it. And then the woman says, no, that serpent made us eat of it. And instead, their moment of repentance in which they could have turned, they forsake instead. Repentance, metania, is that turning of the mind, that U-turn proverbially. We see we're going off on a wrong path, and so we turn back towards God. And in doing this, we confess to God, forgive me. We can't say, forgive me, be merciful to me unless we know what it is that we're asking for. These aren't just hollow words that we're supposed to repeat a bunch of times. These are the words that we say when we see right in front of us, deeply see how sinful we are. And so we confess to God and we say, have mercy on me. Today we also heard the anti-confession, which was that of the publican. The publican prays to God and says, instead of offering repentance, in the appearance of thankfulness, in fact, boasts. And in the Greek, it's a little bit more clear. In the English, it says, he prayed to himself. But the Greek is proseaton, 
He prayed to himself. He prayed toward himself. And so the anti-confession is when we just talk to ourselves, when we praise ourselves, when we're unwilling to see the sin that is in us. And this is why God said, I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He's not saying, oh, the righteous are good already. I'm only concerned about the sinners. He's actually saying something much more deep, which is, if you think yourself righteous, then I'm not for you. I am for the sinners. I am for those who see their sin and come in repentance. This is why he said that. And he said, as well as John the Baptist, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When he was saying that, he wasn't simply saying the kingdom of heaven, that thing after the second coming of Christ or after your death. He's saying right here and now, the kingdom of heaven is available to us if we repent. The kingdom of heaven can inhabit our hearts, that paradise that Adam and Eve departed from, can inhabit us. We can be partakers in that. We have nothing to offer God. No virtues, no works, no righteousness, nothing to offer God except our sin. We know that everything that is good of us is from God, but how easily we forget that. And so we, like a little child, want to go back to our creator and say, look at this thing that I did. Look at that. And all of these things, they're all things that were only because God worked in us. There's no good thing that I can do except that God has already given me what I need to do that good thing. So why would I turn around to God and say, look, God, look at my good things, like the, like the Pharisee. Instead, what we have to offer God is our brokenness, our weakness, and our sinfulness. So that's good news. Because we all have that. We all have heaps of that if we have the eyes to see. And in another sense, you could say, the more sin I have, the more I have to offer to God. What does that actually mean? The more that I'm aware of my sin, the more that I can turn to God. And the less that I'm aware of my sin, the more that I think I don't have sin, the less I can offer to God. So this is what we offer to God our sins. And in that way, it becomes this joyful thing. If we look at it in the right way, here, let me look inside myself of all the rottenness, of all the sinfulness, of all the horrible thoughts, of all the desires. Here, God, Lord, have mercy. Take this, God, again and again and again. And this is the offering that we have for God. So God, in his love, because he desires our love, because when we do this, when we offer him our sinfulness, what happens? We make room inside of ourselves for the kingdom of God. This is what we're saying in the Lord's Prayer each and every time. Thy kingdom come. It doesn't mean a thousand years from now or when I die. Thy kingdom come right now. This is what we're asking of God. So when we make room inside of ourselves by offering him all of this sinfulness and brokenness, then he can come and dwell in us. And this is what he wants. It's the only thing that he wants. He wants to give us his love, but we have no room for his love when we're filled with sin. So because God loves us so much, he did something more. 
He gave us the sacrament of self-offering. Now in the Eucharist, our Lord offers himself. In confession, we offer ourselves. In confession, this is the way that we offer ourselves to our Lord. And he gave us this sacrament when he said to his apostles, whatever sins you forgive are forgiven, whatever sins are remit, you remit, they are remitted. By saying this to his apostles, by giving to them this great inheritance of this sacrament, we now all can be partakers in that sacrament by making this self-offering of ourselves so that God can inhabit us and the kingdom of heaven can enter. Saint, Ephraim, forgive me, I should say Elder Ephraim of Arizona. He said, how easily God forgives. The only thing that must occur is to open the door of your souls to him. God does not wait for any reward for that which he gives to men. And even if your sins are millions or billions, for God, this is counted as nothing. What is the worth of a small amount of sand to the ocean? All the sins of the world are like a virus to the ocean. There is no sin which conquers the mercy of God. Thus the sins of man are zero. When the child returns to the bosom of the Lord, all things cease before his mercy. Our sins are zero. They're nothing. Yet to us they are so big. So big that we want to go and hide behind a bush and cover ourselves like Adam and Eve. And that shame which was given to us to make us realize my will and God's will, they're in friction. That's what shame is. And instead we use that shame to say, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to think about it. I just want to go and hide. I just want to go and watch a bunch of TV shows or something else or all the other ways that we medicate ourselves. But this is given to us. St. John Chrysostom, echoing these words of Elder Ephraim, says, I surrender you into the hands of repentance so that you can learn its power. Learn that there is no sin that can prevail over repentance. No sin. Even if someone has innumerable wounds, if he repents and practices what is good, God will make them disappear so that neither scars nor traces of the wounds are visible. And he continues, God created you out of nothing that you exist and you have gone, now that you exist and have gone astray, it is much easier for him to set you aright. Are you able to say how you were created? Similarly, you cannot say in which way sins are cleansed. Because if the fire that falls into the thorns consumes them, how much more does the will of God consume our sins and pull them out by the root? Our God wants to forgive us. When we repent and confess, we're reuniting our will with God's will. That's what's at the heart of it. My will departs from God's will. I see that, I repent, and I return then my will comes into harmony with God's will. And in reuniting my will with God's will, paradise is opened up, and the kingdom of God enters into us. We're harmonizing our wills to God, because all the way back to Adam and Eve, our will went into disharmony, was broken from God's will, by our own will, by our free will. 
And so we continue to try to bring this back together. And every time we have that sense of shame, that something is different between me and God, I need to come to God, bring it to him, repent. On Tuesday, we celebrate St. Antimos of Chios. He's a relatively recent saint. Uh, if you have been here for the Paraclesis to St. Nikiforus, then you remember that name, St. Antimos of Chios. In the Paraclesis, it mentions him because St. Uh, Nikiforos the leper was tonsured a monk by St. Antimos of Chios. St. Antimos was born in the late 1800s on the island of Chios, which is right near Turkey. And he was raised in piety, he became a monk, he was eventually ordained a priest, and then he served at the leper colony on Chios. He served there for decades, ministering to lepers, bringing them the Eucharist, confessing them, tonsuring at least one monk that we know of, and many other miracles that he did. And St. Antimos, he later after that, if you know your history, there was the exchange of populations between Greece and Turkey in 1922. So this huge wave of Greeks that for centuries had lived in Asia Minor, in Turkey, they all got kicked out of Turkey. And so one of their stopping points along the way was Chios. And there are many young women and, and nuns who were kicked out of Turkey, came to Chios, and so he started a monastery. And that monastery became a great spiritual center in all of Greece. St. Anthemos of Chios, he reposed in 1960. But here's what he says about repenting. What do people do when their hands and faces are dirty? They turn on a tap and allow the water to cleanse away the sins. We should imitate them, only we should open two taps, our eyes, so that an abundance of tears of repentance pour out, which will wash out all of the poisons of this futile world, which have infected and dirtied our wretched souls. It's a beautiful image. Turn on the tap. Cleanse yourself. This is what the publican was doing in the temple. He was cleansing himself through his tears. It says that explicitly in the prayer, in the hymns. Last night in Vespers it says, Lord and ruler over all, I know how effective tears can be. They raised Hezekiah from the gates of death. They delivered the sinful woman from her chronic sins. They justified the publican over the Pharisee. I pray you count me worthy of them and have mercy on me. We need tears of repentance. We need to have these tears. Elder Ephraim of Arizona, another quote that I read recently, he says, we should know that even one tear of repentance is equivalent to a spiritual bath. Just as the body feels refreshed when it bathes, and just as clothes become clean when they are washed, similarly the tears of a repentant soul purify the heart, purify the mind, purify the body, purify life, purify speech, and purify a person's every action. Let us kneel and pray with extreme humility. Every repentant soul is given words, is granted enlightened prayer. Brothers and sisters, this is the time of repentance. Every day is the time of repentance. But because we become numb, because we go on with our daily lives and don't realize the disharmony between our will and God's, the church gives us this season. 
and begins with this gospel that is so profound. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This is our only offering to God, the only thing that we can give to him. But in so doing, we invite the kingdom of heaven to come into our hearts. We invite God himself and his love to dwell in us. So let us cultivate these tears so that they may cleanse us. Tears which, if they don't come out of your external eyes, tears inside of yourself. Weep and lament, knowing that this is something that you offer to God and he joyfully receives and dwells in you. Amen.